Welcome to the podcast. Hello, I'm John Branion, and this is the comedian next door. All right, uh, Carl, we are. Uh, this episode of the podcast features our old friend. Al Sorrell. And I can say old, can't I? Absolutely. Uh-huh. I am. Um, I am he's, indeed. He's old as far as a uh, number of laps around the well, stage. I may be the oldest, old oldest person you've ever had on this podcast. Have you ever had anybody older than me? Uh, yeah, I think Gary Varvel's older than you. Are you sure? Yeah. You're I'm really old. He's, uh, he's 67, I think. Okay, maybe he's a little older. A little, a little bit. But I'm one of the oldest people you've ever had. Yeah, well, I'm, say that. I'm one of the oldest people on my podcast also. So, well, And you know, you know, John, that uh, men, although we joke about, oh, you're getting old, but the truth is we, we wear it as a badge of honor. We're, we're usually proud of, of our milestones. Right. Uh, right. Uh, women tend to you know, hide, hide from their, their years, but men... Although we we feign, oh, you know, I'm, uh, uh, you know, uh, we joke about it, but we we uh, we're proud of our age. Well, we should be right because there's there's wisdom. No, it's, it's another not year I made it, but yeah. Well, we, system. <laughs> we were just talking before I hit the recorder about how men refuse to admit that they can't hear, and uh, um, so we're proud of certain aspects of our old age, but not others. Others we ignore. Um, one of the things, Carl, and I already had Jeff Hicks on, you know, it's recorded. And so Jeff and I talked about you behind your back quite a bit. Um, nice. And so I'm telling you that so that you'll know that we talked about you behind your back. Um, but one of the things I told Jeff was that my theology developed as a result of being with you and uh, Mike Grooms mostly at Round the Clock Restaurant in LaPorte, Indiana, drinking coffee and putting creamers in our eyes and watching you and Mike. And I was just an impressionable young kid, a Christian kid, but I was still wet behind the ears, still trying to figure out what faith was. I had, I had no theology, zero theology. But I was uh, listening to you guys mostly fight about stuff, most, mostly fight about theological Spirit points. Yeah. Um, Spirited debate, call each other names, um, call, sure, each other, part of it. call each other heretics. Um, but my, the reason I'm bringing it up is because that is how I learned two things. I didn't so much learn uh, theology point by point from that. But what I learned was that Christian guys, church guys, are supposed to argue with each other about stuff that they may not agree with. And you and Mike, as... as Viciously as you uh, went at each other, um, and I'm overstating it a little bit, but you always came back the next time. There was never a "that's no. it, you are you are out of my You're life." To me. I will not associate with you anymore. And uh, well, well you, you know, you know, John, uh, if I could interrupt you, um, we're told in uh, in the book of Jude that we are to contend for the faith were to contend for the faith that uh, 
uh, has once for all been delivered unto God's people. So we're, we're to fight for it. And uh, the only reason I know this is I took a, a, a bizarre course in, uh, in college, graduate school, uh, called The History of Christian Thought. And it was a history of, it was church history, but it was a history of how we got to where we are, you know, in our, in our thinking. And if you, you, and anybody could, you know, get, pick up a book on, on, on that. It, it's interesting to see how we got to where we are because there were years there throughout the history of Christianity where, uh, where, uh, you know, it was like down to, to one person holding the line, you know, uh, the Aryan controversy, who was, who was Jesus? Was he, a created being, or was he God, uh, you know, who, who preexisted and, and, and the whole world was, was shifting toward, uh, heresy. Right. And there was one guy, I, mean, I forget his name right now, but they, 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 they likened him to the, uh, to the boy, you know, the Dutch story of the boy that stopped the, the, the put his the, finger in the, the dike. walls. Yeah. Yeah. The flood walls from, you know, he, he held, he held the tide, you know, stayed the tide. And this guy uh, did that. He was the one voice when everybody was uh, leaning the other direction. Right. And, uh, but, but through, down through uh, the history of Christianity, uh, men, theologians, uh, leaders in the church have debated. It wasn't always friendly like me and Mike. Though. Some, sometimes, you know, no. they'd, uh, they'd wish death on people. And right. Uh, uh, right. so, so yeah, well. but that's, that's, the, that's our history. But we are supposed to contend for the faith. And, and if I could th- just finish that thought, we, we are, um, we've reached a place, at least in our time, in our culture, in the church, where people view that as wrong to do that. You know, we're just supposed to love people, right. just love God and just love people and, and don't, uh, don't fight, don't fight. Um, I can't tell you how many how many sermons I've heard in the last few years where the only application of the text is don't judge. people need to stop being stop being mean on social media. Right. Stop 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 getting on your on your uh, laptops and you know right. fighting with people. That's their application. It's the only thing they can they won't apply scripture to anymore. Be nice on social media. Right. And uh, <laughs> and and so so but we we're supposed to contend for for the faith. Right. Well, the, why do we, why is there a, a spirit of niceness? I mean, that just didn't pop out of nowhere. Where did that come from? <laughs> uh, well, I'm sure there's a, there's a, a lot of, a lot of answers to that, but prop, pro, you know, there was a movement, John, that started, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe 10, 20 years ago, 15 years ago. I call it the love God, love people movement. Uh, familiar and, with uh, this. Uh, uh, and I think, I think it came from this book called simple church. And uh, it, that might be where it originated. And it wasn't a bad idea. Okay. It's not, I mean, Jesus said, it's not a the bad greatest idea. commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. And, and, and the right. second is to love your neighbor. Right. And so uh, people took that and they said, that's it, man. That's what it's all about. Just love God and just love people. And, and, but the problem, and so churches, churches all across America have that on their wall. You know, this is our slogan, love God, love people. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, 
And the problem with that, that is, isn't the, the statement. The problem is the application of that. The problem is how people uh, apply that, how they translate that. And, and for many, for many, even if the preacher or the church leaders see it one way, there are people sitting out there who say, yeah, that's all you got to do. Just love God and just love people. You know, right. how we live, what we believe, those things don't matter. Just love God and just love people. Right. That's the problem when 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 that becomes the uh, the the uh, application of that, because we're you know, Jesus said, if you love me, you obey me. If you love me, you obey me. Yeah. And and for that matter, if you love people, you will warn them, warn them about uh, eternity. But but some interpret that as if you love God, you just you know, say, oh, God, we just love you so much. And uh, and uh, can I give you an example? Am I doing all the talking? Is that all right? Can I give you an example? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, for example, for example uh, you know, the Bible says in uh, Hebrews that uh, marriage is to be honored by all. And the marriage bed is to be undefiled. Sacred. Right? Yep. And... Uh, my wife and I have uh, have an apartment, have, have uh, an apartment that we rent. And there was a young lady renting this apartment. And uh, she's also uh, the worship leader at a church in town. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I don't know, I may be getting too specific here. You, am I going to get sued? You're going to get sued. Anyway, her boyfriend no. spends the night, you know, her boyfriend spends the night. And me being being me, I, I confronted him. Right. And I said... Uh, uh, you know, you're, you're a Christian, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, but, but he's like, yeah, we're not doing anything wrong. I said, so you're just up there praying all night, you know? Uh, anyway, right. anyway, what do you say? Uh, Did he so, uh, I even contacted the church leaders and I said, I just want you to know this is going on. Well, she's still there. Nothing's changed. But, um, what's, what's interesting is when she leads worship, because we, we used to go to that church when, when I was in town. I travel, you know, mostly to preach. But uh, um, uh, she always says this in her prayer. She always says, oh, God, we just love you so much. Right. That phrase, we just love you so much. But those are words, John. Those are, those are words. You can say. A husband can say to his wife, baby, I just love you so much. And then he goes out and cheats on her. Right. He doesn't love her. He's Many of them do. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and then, of course, the other side is if you really love people, we, we, we tell them the truth about eternity, that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. And some view that as being legalistic. Some view that as being judgmental. Who are you to say people are lost without Jesus? And, and so... The problem with the whole love God, love people movement is the application of it. So there's my rant. Well, I think that you are correct. I think that where it came from, I'd forgotten about Simple Church, but now that you bring up that title, yeah, that was foisted upon me. I was an elder at the time in the church, and and our senior person insisted that we all read it because it was great. And it hit me as not correct. I couldn't put my finger on what it was at the time, but it just seemed too ironically simple. And I think 
<laughs> I think that is what has been portrayed for a number of generations now, that we, we think that theology can be reduced to a slogan. And, yeah. and then you live your life by that slogan, and ta-da, you're a Christian. Um, but C.S. Lewis, in, in his uh, Mere Christianity book, talks about, you know, it, it's not simple. And you're, you're a child if you think that you're going to comprehend these deep theological truths, you know, in a matter of seconds, if it's just going to make mm-hmm. sense to you. And so, but we've perpetrated that. We've, we've perpetrated this with the, with the, oh God, we just love you so much. And we just love people so much. We do not care what your background is. We don't care how you're living right now. Just come and, and worship with us. And I, I think that they're not doing it intentionally, all of them, but I think that that we have erected um, church as an idol. I think that the Western church has become something of an idol that actually gets in the way of, uh, of Christ, because we are, we have a, a series of doctrines that are not, that don't come from the Bible that we profess within the church, one of them is it doesn't matter if you live together, for example. All that matters mm-hmm. is, well, that's a that's a doctrine, um, and it is it is not in the scripture, but it's still the, the doctrine what, what about of the, the Western doctrine? church is in the way what, of... What about the doctrine of uh, all sin is equal? Uh, which, which is, I well, think... Well, it's not. We're, right, but... but the doctrine, and that's one of the, the, the false doctrines circulating. And to your point, um, uh, they will say that, uh, well, I shouldn't have cut you off there, but let me, let me say this. Let me say this, <coughs> that uh, the, uh, yeah, the, the doctrine, the, the, the new, the, the neo, neo doctrine uh, of, of uh, the past 15, 20 years in the church is uh, it's about sin and judging, sin and judging, our attitude towards sin. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you'll hear, you'll hear, you know, preachers, <laughs> there's preachers that can never say anything about sin right. without first prefacing it by saying, now, look, I'm no better than anybody else. You know, I'm no better than anybody else. Right. And uh, that's right. a relatively new thing, you know, and they'll say, well, I'm just being authentic. I'm being real. But the notion is, hey, I sin, you sin, we all sin. Uh, Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. Look, we're just all sinners. Let's just, you know, you hate your sin, I'll hate my sin. Let's just love each other. Don't judge me because you sin different than me. Um, God forgives us. That's what he does, you know. But but the problem with that line of thinking is it leads to uh, what Paul uh, does address, which is using... Grace is a license to sin. You know, hey, we all sin all the time. You know, one, one sin's no different than the other. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and, and, and as you said, uh, that's not true. That's not true. God does differentiate between sin. But what, what's happened uh, today, and, and particularly with, when it comes to sexual sin, all right, that, that's, always been, that's always been the one, John. Uh, it's not anything new. Um, you go back into the Old Testament. Uh, what was the sin that kept leading the Israelites astray? Uh, and you say, well, idolatry. Well, okay, but what's idolatry? <laughs> idolatry 
it was sexual, all right? Uh, you worship these fertility gods and goddesses by having orgies and visiting the temple prostitutes. That was the attraction. It wasn't, you know, bowing down to a statue. That didn't, you know, flip right. their switch. It was sexual. So what we see today, John, is, right. uh, in fact, it's been written. Uh, Rachel Held Evans, the patron saint of of uh, the millennials, uh, Christian millennials, uh, said, you know, baby boomers, you baby boomers are hung up on sex. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it, you know, it's just another sin. And, and so, you know, this, this, you know, this guy, this girl that I confronted, you know, <laughs> he would say, you know, man, we're, everybody sins. You know, you, you eat too much at a church potluck dinner. I sleep with my girlfriend. Get over it, you know. Right. God forgives us. That's what he does. Which is true. Um, but as you said, that's not a license to keep on doing no. the thing that God's hates. Like Jesus said, you, if you do, if you truly love me, you will do what I say. And the, uh, the theology again is just not taught because as you pointed out, you start to talk about, um, anything deeper than God loves you and people go, Oh, you're a fundamentalist. You're a, yeah. you know, you're, yeah. you're yeah. A, a Pharisee and fundamentalist. And, um, and yeah, it's all, and, the well, idol you know, has you know, become love. The idol has become our emotions. Yes. It's not our, it's 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 not our understanding, and it's not wisdom. It's our emotions. That's what we worship. Now. Right. The the idol has become love, and the scripture verses become Matthew seven: Judge not, judge not. Right. And if you if you uh, call out sin, you're judging. If you mention sin, if you mention punishment for sin, if you mention hell, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, you're judging. You're judging. Right. Uh, I, I preached at a church uh, uh, last year somewhere, and I, uh, uh, as as you know, I'm a, a mission speaker. I, I go around and I represent uh, our mission, and um, I preach on missions, the need to be mission minded, and that sort of thing, world evangelism, that kind of thing. And I mentioned one of the reasons we have to be evangelistic. Uh, or mission-minded as a church is because hell is real, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, after afterwards, uh, a guy comes up to me, and, and he literally looks over his shoulder like this. <laughs> I know no one can see it, but he's looking over his shoulder <laughs> to make sure nobody's looking. And he says, "You know, that's the first time we heard the word hell used in this church in ten years." And 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 the funny part is, yeah. three or four people later, this lady comes up to me. Same thing. Looks over. So she goes, that's the first time we've heard the word hell mentioned in this church in 10 years. Yep. And uh, do you know, you know, John, George Fall used to say uh, <laughs> everything we know about hell, we learn from Jesus. Right. Everything we know about hell, we learn from Jesus. He's the one that, that introduced it. That's why Jesus came, John. That's why he came. Because he was, knows all about it. Because he knows about hell. Mm-hmm. And he came to save us from hell. That's what John Chapter three, verse 16, and you can't leave out 17, 18, you know, 19. Jesus, he came because we're condemned. And and whoever believes in him does not have to go to hell. But he didn't come to condemn the world. The world's already condemned. He came to save us uh, from hell. And if we don't, if we don't preach that, we don't really love people. If we, if we don't warn them, 
about hell. We, you know, we can say, oh, I just love people. But if, mm-hmm. if you don't warn them about hell, you, you don't you don't love them. Well, and that would be the question. And this is where this is where I start to get into trouble, because if somebody was to come up to me and I travel around and do stuff in church, too, but I don't I don't preach as often. So but if, when somebody comes up and voices a grievance in church and it happens to me, for example, that's the first time we've heard about hell in 10 years here. I would ask, how long have you been going here? And if it's been longer than 10 years or 10 years, it's like, well, why didn't you say anything? You know, because mm-hmm. well, why, why don't we? The whole, why don't the uh, why yeah, don't the people uh, in the church? Uh, hold know, and, and you're right, you're right. But uh, uh, that's what. <laughs> hey, preacher, we need more service about hell. Well, it, it's but see, that's it. That's the simplistic. Yeah, you're right. you're that's right. the simplistic theology, and that's why they don't say anything because I'm not going to go there. We need more. We need more sermons about hell. Well, you just explained why we should preach about hell, and. But you're, but you're not speaking to those. Yeah. It, 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 the, the people who are noticing that there's a doctrinal issue or there's a theological issue in the church should be saying something to the people who yes. are. That, that's biblical. If you've got a, if you've got false teaching that's going on, you need to shut it down. And well, well, they I, don't. Maybe that's not false nice. teaching, but not preaching the whole the whole counsel of God. You know. You know. Uh, uh, you, you know this, John, the, the story of the second great uh, awakening in America, the second great revival that uh, has lasted up until the 20th century, uh, almost made it to the end of the uh, to the 21st century. But uh, the Jonathan Edwards, you know, it all started with Jonathan Edwards sinners and uh, in the hands the of sermon an... sinners in the hands of an angry God, a mm-hmm. uh, little little five foot two guy who had 102 fever reading a sermon from note cards. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, painting, uh, you know, pictures, men, uh, verbal uh, images of people dangling over the fires of hell, right. and uh, and it it, it sparked a, a revival that lasted. Uh, really, some would some historians would say it lasted up until uh, we, we you know this period where we are now in, in as a post Christian America. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, but what what was it? It was the reality of, of hell. Uh, hell is real. And, and Jesus believed in hell. He said, wide is the road that leads to hell, and many will be there upon it. Narrow is the road that leads to eternal life. Few there be upon it. Make sure you're on the narrow road. Mm-hmm. But if we don't tell people about that. We don't we don't love them. I, I, I remember you using the analogy years ago about, uh, you know, you look at a guy's house and you can see it's on fire, but he's sitting in the living room watching TV. Remember that? Remember that? I do. You know, and uh, he doesn't know his house is on fire. Right. And you could say, well, you know, I, I just love him too much to, you know, he's probably enjoying watching a football game or something. I don't want to. Well, it's judgmental. You know, it's judgmental yeah, yeah, well, to tell him that he should get out of the house. Yeah. But uh, I don't want to jump we don't, jam my point know, of view down his say, throat. I love people. But if you don't, if you really love people, you're going to uh, warn them. And you're going to seek, seek uh, uh, to bring them the message that will save their soul for eternity. Eternity. Uh, right. A cup of cold water is a great, a great thing to do uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, but if we don't tell them about eternity, we've we've failed miserably. Well, I I do not disagree. I think 
that the problem that is facing evangelicalism, and I'm just using that term mm-hmm. broadly. Um, yes. What's facing evangelicalism is uh, that they do not understand what Christianity is. And I, I hear what you're saying when you say, well, you're leaving out, leaving out the doctrine of hell is not necessarily false teaching. I, I agree with you, but we've left out enough stuff. You can't, you can't leave out lots and lots of things without something coming in to take their place. And that's what happens. We have a, um, you said something about worship earlier, and it was right on the money when you said that worshiping is not bowing down in front of a, in front of a golden calf, but, or, or worshiping uh, idolatry. Idolatry is yeah. not bowing down in front of a golden calf. And that's absolutely true. But, but nobody understands it that way in the church. If you ask, if you ask the, uh, the girl and the guy who are living together, for example, who do you worship? They would say, well, we worship Jesus. And they would be offended that you even asked them that question. Mm-hmm. But if you were to suggest to them, you know, worship is not, is not raising your hands and singing a song on Sunday morning. I know that you, I right, know you right. like, especially since you're a worship leader, I know you like to think that's what it is. And so uh-huh. you think of yourself as the, as the, the best worshiper in the church because you're leading everybody else mm-hmm. in worship, but that is not worship. Worship. Well, what did Jesus say to the woman at the well? The, the time is coming and has now come when the true worshiper will worship in spirit, spirit. and truth. truth. Right. Truth. Um, so, so uh, yeah. So meaning it's not in a place, it's a spiritual thing. Right. It's not, uh, and, you know, because that was her discussion. You Jews think you worship God in the temple. We we got this mountain, you know, and he said it's not about, uh, uh, it's a spirit, spiritual mm-hmm. thing, but it's based on truth. It's truth. Right. And, uh, and yeah. <coughs> well, we have a, I agree. You remember, you remember we had the stained glass window at Fairfield? It's still there. Yeah, Al yeah. used to be the preacher at my church years ago and uh, for a long time. And we have a stained glass window and we moved out of the stained glass window into a multi-purpose room. We moved into a different room in the church to accommodate um, more people. And when we did that, there were some old timers in the church who were pretty distraught about having to leave behind the stained glass window that was up front. Yeah. Because uh, one of them even said, one of them said, how am I supposed to work to Jesus if I can't see him? Can't see him. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we could laugh, we laughed behind her back, of course, but not to her face. <laughs> but now I'm thinking we probably should have laughed to her face um, because that is a, a complete, that is idolatry. I mean, you, no. you, you have to go way out of your way to paint that as anything other than just idolatry because you have taken a thing, an object and you yeah. have given it more reverence than it deserves. There's nothing wrong with appreciating stained glass. There's nothing wrong with carrying a pillow that's shaped like Jesus. That was the thing that got posted in the group um, a couple of days ago. Did you see that? Okay. This girl was carrying a little Jesus doll around, and she was like, it looked like she might have been college age. And it was, he's by my side, and it's like four panels. He, and the doll is sitting next to her. He's, you know, he's always watching over me. He's warm and support. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was all this doll. And it's like, okay, I, I know that if there was, if there's a college girl that's carrying a Jesus doll around and talking about how it just helps her feel close to Jesus and it helps her to think about Jesus when she prays. If I was to suggest to her 
that that is bumping up against idolatry. I don't think she's actually worshiping the doll, but you're getting in the ballpark, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a doll. There's nothing wrong with people were saying, well, you know, you shall not make graven images. I don't think, I don't think that that is a graven image, but the reason mm-hmm. you're not supposed to make graven images is because we have a tendency to want to worship them. Um, well, and, and before before the baby doll Jesus or whatever it was, you got the crucifix, um, right? You know, and, and uh, uh, or the American you know, flag. Generally, generally, the the uh, the Catholic Church, the Roman Church, has uh, you know Jesus actually on the cross, a little a little Jesus on there, right? And Protestantism has an empty cross, and you know you can talk about why, 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 but. Uh, um, uh, it, it, you know, and I'm not against uh, I'm not against uh, crosses and crucifixes. I think it's a it's a, well, it symbolizes uh, it, it's a fine thing to to have. It symbolizes. It's like wearing a team jersey. It, it, like yeah, so it, it is. It is, and it's uh, it's uh, it's be, it's it's lost its its meaning. I mean, in the first century, uh, the cross was a symbol of shame. You know, it was. Something people, you know, you, you now it's you know beautiful jewelry and people wear them who don't even know what it what it means. Right. Well, that's another but, thing. But that's, that's true. There's nothing wrong with with that. And I've even heard of uh, 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 oh some, I'm sure it didn't work, but some movement like in the 80s or 90s where uh, teenagers were wearing these crosses with sharp things on them. So that if they ever got too close to their boyfriend or girlfriend, it would remind them. It's not a bad sentiment. It's not a bad sentiment, you know. Uh, Cross shaped belts. You get stuck by a nail if you're, you know, pressing up against your boyfriend or something. But how long would that uh, nail have that to be? That have to that have to stick out eight inches. I mean, it couldn't. well, you know, it's a. Uh, but it was a, it's a nice sentiment. Nice sentiment. I guess. Uh, um, well, anyway, how do we how do we get off on that? <coughs> it's, a, it's how conversations evolve. Um, yeah, the the culture is um, is telling us that it doesn't matter, and the culture yeah, well, the culture well, and, and is taking the, over Christian orthodoxy, and the Christians in the church are letting it um, by. And you can look at little little signs, little signs, for example, of uh, you know we haven't heard hell preached about in ten years here, and we're okay with yeah. that. Uh, and you know, my, my son and daughter, my, my daughter is living with her boyfriend and what am I going to do? You know, she's a, she's, she's an adult now she's grown up and I've got my sin and she's got her sin. And so I'm, and yeah. the Bible tells me just to love her. And so what's happening is the culture, the culture has taught us, um, it's religion and we have, we have embraced it now in the church and we're calling it Christianity. We are, we are saying, this is what the Bible teaches because we don't read the Bible. Well, well, uh, let me finish my thought there then. So uh, uh, the, the problem of sexual sin, see, that's, this is really what it comes down. That's what Rachel Held Evans, patron saint of Christian millennials, was saying is that baby boomers, baby boomers are hung up on sex. Mm-hmm. And, and that leads to this, uh, uh, this new neo-Gnosticism, this idea all sin is the same. Everybody sinned. You can't not sin. You sin every day, all the time. Let's just stop getting hung up. But really, really, the truth is, John, all all that generation cares about 
is sexual sin. They want sexual sin to be uh, to be minimized. Yeah, absolutely. Because right, because because uh, they care very much about other sins. You know, they'll say they'll say, "Why do you judge me just because you sin different than me?" Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, uh, why don't you say anything about gluttony? Right. Why don't you say anything about cheating on your taxes? That's what you baby boomers do. Right. But you'll judge me uh, and my boyfriend uh, because we're sleeping together. Or you'll judge my beautiful friend, uh, Jimmy, who came out as homosexual. You know, right. we're, uh, you have your sin. I have my sin. Let's just you know, love each other well, and to, leave it up to God. But, but LGBTQ but what, isn't really a sin anymore. But, yeah, I get your point. Or, well, it's, it's if it is, John, if it is to them, it's just it's on par with everything else. You worry about your you know, I saw you get three pieces of chicken at the potluck dinner. You know, your your sin's no different than than his sin. And and, and so what they want to do is is uh, is minimize sexual sin today. That's which is as old as the Old Testament. You know, uh, it's it's that lure of sexual sin. And so we have a generation that's been raised uh, watching Friends. You know. And they don't just watch it. They watch it on uh, repeat. You know, they stream it. And so it's, you know, beautiful people, fun people, cool people who are promiscuous. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, these are good people. You know, they're not murderers and drunks. They're they sit in the coffee house and they're they're, you know, they're good people. Right. And uh, and the, the, we have a generation that's been raised uh, that homosexuality is they're beautiful people who just are different, you know, right. and to to judge them is the same thing as racism. And, and so, but, but here's the thing, John, here's the thing. They're not consistent with that because the fact is this uh, generation that uh, <coughs> says don't judge the sexually immoral, don't do that, will judge the heck out of you for being uh, a bigot or a misogynist or a racist. I mean, if you were to, if you were to shave your head, John, and put a swastika on your forehead and use a racial slur, do you think they would love you just as you are? Do you, do you, do you, I mean, seriously, do you think they would say, hey, you got your sin? I got my sin. I love you. I support you. Do you think they would support you, John, you, if you, you have a racial slur? You haven't, uh, you haven't read my last Facebook post, have you? Um, uh, 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 that's exactly what it was about was that, so yeah, that, you know, we love like, this rainbow with Mr. Rogers on it. And when you know, okay, you yeah, I did, loved, see that. I did see that, you know, no matter what unconditional love. And that's I think you, you got that from me though. Um, I got the, uh, I got Mr. Rogers from you. You got the idea from me. Oh. I just don't even remember it. Actually, I just read the, I read the meme. Um, I, I've gotten, I've gotten pretty good at slicing into what the culture is trying to say when they say certain things, and yeah. love has been co-opted, and that's what the that's what the article was right. About. But they love. don't they they don't love racists. Okay, they don't they don't love racists. No, they don't love they don't love us. So they so, don't really uh, love each other too. They love the flesh. They love they love sex, and yes. that's a thing that the sexual they, sin is is and the churches, John. That's the problem. It's not the it, the churches and preachers are caving in on that. Well, they're because, afraid to say it because, right? Yeah, because right. it makes the little old ladies go, "Oh, you, you touch dirty talk. You can't talk dirty talk. We're supposed well, to well, be no, above no, that." No, uh, uh, well, y- yes, there's that. But let me let me tell you something. 
I was in the church uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And uh, I won't say where it was, but I was just a visitor there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the young preacher was preaching on, his sermon was, don't judge, okay? And he was preaching from of course it was. Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3, all right? And his scripture text was from Romans chapter 1, starting with verse like... Uh, I don't know, verse 18 or something, where it says the wrath of God is being revealed. Da, 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 da. And he's, he stops at verse 24 of Romans 1. Okay, he stops there. He goes, now we're going to pick it up again in verse 28. Why do you right? skip over 25? It, it, because, 25 <laughs> because it talks about the Gentile nation being so depraved that they, they, they became homosexual. Right. So he literally skipped over two verses because we're going to pick it up again in verse 28. Right. Because he didn't want to deal with that. And and then, you know, he, he read on and, and his point was, uh, first of all, he, he, he did no historical context. He didn't. The point of, of, of Romans chapter one, two and three is chapter one, the Gentiles. Uh, didn't have the law of God, but they knew there was a God and they rejected him anyway. And right. so God handed them over to their shameful lusts, right? right? Chapter two, the Jews had the law. The Jews had Abraham. They had the temple. They had the prophets and they and rejected, they rejected it. Yep. Right. All, all have sinned. And so, so Paul says, what, who are you Jews to judge the Gentiles? You're no better than them, you know, but he, but instead of giving it that historical context, right. He gave it the context of the church, which is we shouldn't judge each other. Right. When, when, when Paul said that we are to judge each other in the church, you know, we are to confront sin. Yep. And he just kept saying that, that guilty don't judge the guilty. The guilty don't judge the guilty. Of course but, they do. But, uh, but, but the point is, the reason, the reason I think some of these woke pastors aren't, aren't willing to address the cultural war that's going on in our country, particularly when it comes to LGBT and living relate is they don't want to lose people that they're, they're not afraid. If I speak out against homosexuality from the pulpit and, 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 uh, and I do, mm-hmm. but if uh, um, I'm not worried that, you know, the one possible two people struggling with homosexuality in my congregation might get offended. Right. They don't want to offend the woke people. They don't want to offend the the millennial generation that that uh, that has embraced that culture, been brainwashed really through the media. To so that's what they're afraid of. Right. And, and it's it's cowardice. It's cowardice. Uh, well, that's the reason this, that wokeism uh, works, Al. That's the reason it works. Right. Is because we've got this uh, consumer mentality of the church. Customers always right. You certainly don't run off your customers. You know. We need the bucks in the seats, butts in the seats, the the bucks and the build new buildings, and uh, and we can't be running them off. But so so they, they they say it's being judgmental, and I, I'm I'm not going to be judgmental. But the tr- truth is, they're cowards. They don't want to preach the truth and righteousness. I would agree. I got kicked out of a certain ministers group for for just asking what it was that uh, CRT, the critical race theory contributed to Christianity because we are, Al and I were both in a group that, uh, that was populated by ministers and Bible college professors and uh, all of these Christian thought leaders, presumably. 
and they were brandying around the idea of critical race theory having, you know, and it's, yeah. it's a tool, it's a tool. And first of all, there was tons of denial. We're not teaching critical race theory. We're not teaching it in our churches. Um, and then there was, then they would turn around and say, but it is a useful tool in understanding racial relations and uh, mm-hmm. higher and how to love people correctly. I mean, it's a, it's a tool. And I just asked, um, I said, okay, show me what teaching in critical race theory is, uh, is beneficial that isn't also contained in Christianity. Show me, show me something that you got from critical race theory that is not in the scripture. And that was shortly after that was when I got kicked out of the group. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the founder of that group is spinning in his canister <laughs> as we speak. Spinning in his urn. Um, yeah. <clears throat> well, I, I think that uh, the, other, the other thing that we have said, I bear some ownership in, is um, the is, is presenting uh, Christianity and uh, um, and faith as basically what you do on Sunday, um, you know. And there's very much a a sense when you get into when you're on the inside in church culture when you're when you're one of the guys who's planning events and you're having coffee with the other ministers and you're you're the you're the nerve center of what's going on in a church. Uh, that tends to become, at least it did for me, that becomes the focus and that becomes the entire ministry. And, you know, what are we, what are we doing to reach the lost? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to get water bottles printed up with our church logo on them and we're going to hand them out to people. Well, John, John I don't think that phrase is even used anymore. The to lost? The yeah. No, yeah, you're right. I think that's, judgmental to even suggest that people were lost you're right i, I was uh, or, or arrogant it's arrogant so that no they don't and that's where the crt thing comes in john because crt when that uh, infects a church mm-hmm. the focus becomes social structures mm-hmm. uh you remember remember the prayer of lament at johnson university mm-hmm. i'll say it they had a day of lament where they lamented these horrible founders of their institution, you know, right. these little old ladies that gave, you know, their last penny to the college. So they to they train, train preachers. preachers. They yeah. were horrible racists, these founders. And on this day of lament, they read a, a prayer of lament. And that prayer of lament said, God, we repent of the evangelical lie that says that the gospel is about saving souls and not about saving structures. And what they mean by structures is social structures, the, right. the systemic racism. All right. Now there was an outcry over that from from some of their level heads. Some of those alumni. ladies. And yeah. so what they did was on their website they changed the wording. Okay, the prayer had already happened, right. you know, but they changed the wording to say, and not isn't only about saving but is also about saving structures so but that included it. that saving of structures that is straight out of nt right and this uh kingdom now mentality right. and so the focus of the church that's idolatry isn't it yes okay. the focus of the church has shifted from getting lost people saved which is what the great commission is you know that's why jesus came to seek and save the lost all right mm-hmm. it's gone from that 
to social structures. It's gone to justice and uh, you know freedom to the captive and the oppressed. And, and, and so our focus, we, we, we don't talk about uh, lost people. Um, <coughs> this is happening not only in the church in America, it's happening in, in mission efforts. Right. Uh, where, where, you know, who are you to go to Africa? I'm a missionary in Africa, right? Who are you to go to Africa and uh, tell them their know, culture change is wrong. their beliefs? Right. You know, I, I'm serious. It, it is it's no, arrogant. Know. It's the height of arrogance. You know, you know, John. Mm-hmm. I was reading a um, an old newsletter from the, the mission, Hippo Valley Christian Mission, and uh, it was from the 1960s. And John Pemberton, who's the founder of uh, this great mission, for those of you who don't know, go to our website, Hippo Valley Christian Mission. Um, and he wrote in his newsletter back in the 67, I think it was. He said the mission started in 1956, so this was somewhere in the mid 60s. He, he said, uh, I was just reading it, and it struck me, the terminology he used. He said, and folks, we're still over here in the dark continent uh, <laughs> seeking to win the heathen for Christ. Uh-huh. Seeking to win or reach the heathen reach the for heathen. Christ. So he said heathen. dark continent, and he called them yeah. heathen. Yeah. Heathen. Okay, and by the way, the word dark has nothing to do with... I know that. Yeah, right, right. But, I know that, but, but yes. you can't say and, that. And, but heathen. That word heathen or right. pagan, you know, that, oh, that's such a, a judgmental so thing to say. But, but the, that's what, that's a biblical uh, uh, expression for people who are not redeemed. Right. You know, but, but yeah, if you suggest right. that we're going over there to uh, win them to Christ, and when you win them to Christ, it will change their culture. All right, it will change the culture. Christianity is all, but that's where you get into this spirit of multiculturalism and right. how arrogant to suggest that your culture is right and their culture is wrong. Mm-hmm. But as the late and not so great Rabbi Zacharias used to say, mm-hmm. there are some cultures. Wow, there are some cultures that believe you should love your neighbor, and there are other cultures that believe, believe you, should you should eat your eat neighbor. Your neighbor. Yeah. They're not equally. Good. They're not equally right. <coughs> the late, not so great, Ravi Zacharias. All right. So here's the here's the thing that has occurred to me for a while now that I've been mulling over, and I think that the the one of the problems that we really have to root out in the church, and it's going to be very difficult to do. I think there's I think there's a certain generation. I think it's my generation, and and I think it might even be the millennials that are lost. I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna switch. I think we have to talk to our grandkids uh, with the idea that that maybe they'll grow up with it. But it's well, they this. said that about baby boomers. But go on. It's this that, and I know where this came from. We grew up hearing we are in the world, not of it. And God did not take us out of the world. We're supposed to love the world while we're waiting to go. And so what has happened is that has gotten twisted to become, you know what? We're in the world and they're not of us, but they're okay, you know, because we're supposed to love them. And just because they're not Christians, and you said this, just because they're not Christians doesn't mean they're lost. It doesn't mean they're bad, horrible people. I've, yes. I've heard that a thousand times. It's growing up in church. Just because you, just because they're not a Christian, it doesn't mean they're horrible people. They might, your neighbor might not be a Christian, but they're, but they're nice. You, you uh, barbecue with them, and your kids play together with theirs, and, and they'll loan you their lawnmower. So, uh, so John, let me ask you a question. Can I ask you a question? 
Yeah. Can I ask you a question? I can? Sure. All right. I want to ask you a question. Um, uh, I remember when I first came, went into the ministry in the 80s, uh, everybody was talking about the baby boomer generation coming up, you know. Uh, the World War II people are getting old and the baby boomers. What do we got to do to reach baby boomers? Remember all that, John? I do. Uh, I technically am a boomer. Right, and uh, just barely, barely. (coughs) Uh, But, 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 yeah, so everything was, so so we, you know, I was reading books about it and hearing about it in class and seminars, and and so uh, we started changing the church. You know, baby boomers want excellence, so we we did things with excellence, and they don't want... uh, couple of off-key little old ladies at the piano singing a song they haven't practiced. You know, they want excellence, excellence. These so are we, professional we people. We our lighting. Yeah. We got plexiglass pulpits. We put plants on the stage. I did all that stuff, you know, I know. to reach the baby boomers. And uh, so now here we are, 30, 40 years later, and we're, we're talking about what do we got to do to reach millennials? What do we got to do to reach millennials? They're, they're leaving the church. They don't believe. Uh, I don't know what, what numbers, you know, you're, but, but – they're not interested. In fact, they're uh, almost hostile. Right. I think baby boomers weren't interested in the church, but millennials almost seem to be hostile toward they the are. church. They are because we're judgmental. So, because so we don't love gay people. Is, my question to you is, uh, all right, before I, before I give you the question, but so people are saying what we got to do to reach millennials, and they'll say, quit being judgmental. Mm-hmm. Uh, quit being judgmental. Quit being legalistic. Quit making such a big deal about sex. Okay. Right. Rachel Held Evans, all that. I'm asking you, John, what do we have to do in our culture, in this country? Because uh, it's not the problem in it's not the problem in Africa where I work. You know, we're getting all kinds of millennials there. You know, they're they're running. Uh, churches are exploding in, in the continent of Africa. But what do you think we need to do to reach millennials in in, in our culture? Well, you pointed out that this is what we did to reach the baby boomers was we, we changed everything to fit whatever they told us that they wanted. And now we're asking the exact same question about the children of those baby boomers. And so yeah. I would suggest that we wouldn't have to reach the millennials if we had reached the baby boomers. And so the church is uh, the church is theoretical. That's the problem. The church reads a book like like Simple Church. Um, from a guy who's got a bazillion people that attend his service on Sunday morning. And we go, well, this guy's doing it right. And nobody, I can't say nobody, but but very few people go, oh, wait a minute, what's he teaching? You know, obviously he's got a lot of people there, but what is he actually teaching these people? Yeah. You know, are these people even Christians? And we are scared to death to ask that question because you're judging people. And I submit to you that that is what wokeism is. It's it's terrorism. It's about well, what do we making have to do? you afraid. What's the solution? Or is there a solution? The solution is you have to get back and teach what's in the Bible. The, and, and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what songs you sing. It doesn't matter what how comfortable the pews are. It doesn't matter. All of the trappings of church are irrelevant. What matters is that people understand that that they have to read the Bible in order to understand what God really says. And you can say, well, Jesus was all about love. Jesus told us to love our neighbor. Yes, he did. Do you know what else he said? Well, that's all that's that's important. Right. And that's the problem. They they know enough scripture. They know three scriptures and they think that they're Christians. What what we need, um, 
remember the uh, the Archie Bunker song, Mister We Could Use a Man Like Herbert Hoover again? I do. Uh, Mister We Could Use a Man Like Keith Green again. You know, <laughs> Keith, Keith Green came before the uh, uh, church growth movement uh, yeah, of the eighties. Yeah. Uh, he, he died, what, 79, something like that, 80, 81. He, anyway. He was like 82 or 83, I think, yeah. Yeah, but Keith Green was, uh, you know, this this generation would hate Keith Green. I mean, they would they would hate. Remember his song, uh, I Find It Hard to Just Ignore the Murdered Unborn Children? Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he was a prophet uh, uh, who wasn't trying to make friends, but... Uh, he drew, you know, large crowds, and, right. and, and he and he challenged me, probably you, when I was yeah. uh, uh, at, at a, you know, I grew up in the church, but he kind of uh, was a voice, uh, you know, and, and, and again, I, I don't know what what it will be if if it will happen, but but he didn't uh, call us to, he called us to sacrifice, right. He called us a sacrifice. You know, you know, John, I was... Uh, he wanted everybody to go on the mission field. Everybody. Right. I, he I wanted was, to empty America driving. of citizens, and we would all move to a foreign country and become... Yes. Foreign. It should be the exception if you stay home. You right. know, uh, I was driving through uh, Grayson, Kentucky, a couple years ago with my friend Jeff, and uh, we go past a, a corner, and there were two Mormon boys standing on the corner. Mm-hmm. You know, with their shirts and their badges and their ties, and their bicycles, and, and uh, you know these these Mormon kids, they uh, it's kind of the luck of the draw where they wind up going on their Mormon mission. You know, they're 19 years old. You might go to Uganda, you might go to Grayson, Kentucky. You just don't know where they're. Right. And I just remember thinking, well, well that's a bummer. These guys got uh, stuck with Grayson, Kentucky. But so here's these these two Mormon boys. Kauai. Yeah, yeah. Of all the places they wind up is Grayson. Yep. But and these guys, they were there for a year, you know, and they knocked on my door. And, uh, yep. you know, I used to send Mormons away, but now I have them come in, you know, and yep. I, I uh, offer them coffee. Of course, they don't drink it. But, but anyway, you know, my, point is, my point is, do uh, you? <coughs> my point is, uh, as we're driving by these two kids, wow. these two boys, uh, I make some smart aleck remark. I said, oh, look out. There's a couple Mormon elders, you know, and he laughs and. We kind of make fun of them. You know, here they are, not even shaven, and they call themselves elders. And uh, and then, then it struck me, John, as I was going through the— I know what you're going to say. Like, it's like the Lord just smacked me on the head and said, you wouldn't do that for me. You know, we, no, you wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we won't do—in in our in the Christian churches, we won't do for the truth what the Mormons are willing to do for a lie. Right. And, and the fact is— Make no mistake, Mormonism is a lie. Mormonism is is a cult. Mormonism denies the absolute deity of Christ. Okay, it's wrong. But they're willing, and, and, and furthermore, John, their parents, their parents are willing to send them off wherever they're to go on a Mormon mission. You think our parents would do that? That will preach. Absolutely not. I remember a few years ago, we had an uprising at the church I was at uh, in Georgia, because we're uh, our youth guy was going to take the kids to uh, summer in the sun, mm-hmm. and he said he decided that they should leave their cell phones at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was an uprising in the church, <laughs> not by the kids, by the parents. Yeah. Well, I've got to be able to. How am I going to get in touch with them? How am I going to keep so track? Our our mentality in in Christian is secure.
security, security, safety, you know, uh, popularity. Uh, we want our kids to be popular. Uh, we're not, we're, Paul said, don't conform to the world, but we're just like the world. We want the same thing for our kids as the world. But these, these Mormon families, and it's for a lie, but they're willing to sacrifice. They're willing to send their kids off to Wazoo, right. Alabama or Grayson, Kentucky uh, for a lie. We right. won't do for the truth what they'll do for a lie. Well, they don't think it's a lie. That's the thing. No, they, no, you're they, right. They think right. it's the truth, and so that's what, what you're what you're testifying to is the power of of thinking that you have the truth.